If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Before we begin, I'd like to say a quick thank you to those of you who've been leaving reviews, like R. Edwards, who's been listening to a story over several nights, as he can't stay awake long enough to finish it. It's good to hear that my stories have been helping you fall asleep so soundly. I hope tonight's tale is equally comforting. Come, join me beside the campfire tonight and let me tell you of my trip to see the archaeological marvel that is Stonehenge. There is plenty about nightfalls that I've learned to accept as unexplainable from the magic that coats the forest floor to the way the flowers here flourish even at the foot of a valley shrouded in shade. Stonehenge has always been something of a mystery to me, too. And one that I've found more than little fascinating over the years. Join me tonight as I tell you of the mystery that drew me down to the south of England. Before we venture to sunny Wiltshire, let's take a moment to relax and wind down. Come to a comfortable position and allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Draw a deep breath in and gather up all of the happenings 
and the hearts of the day. And exhale, releasing them from your body on the gentle tide of your breath. Breathing in once more, welcome the night air into your body. And as you exhale, breathe out any negativity still lingering within you. Release any thoughts or feelings that no longer serve you. Inhaling, welcome the weight of exhaustion into your body. Exhaling, feel the need for sleep settling into your bones. You're as still as the mountains that rise up around nightfalls. As steadfast and strong as the great pillars of rock that form Stonehenge. You're as bright and brilliant as the midday sun and as serene as the night sky. As you settle into stillness, know that there is nothing and no one more important than your relaxation. So take a moment to truly relax and carve out a little peace for yourself. With each breath, you are drawing the quiet of night into your body and letting go of the day on your out-breath. Breathe in the calm of the night sky and exhale, releasing the rush and responsibility of daily life. Now, if you're feeling ready, our story can begin. With a soft hiss, the doors of the shuttle bus open. I board the vehicle and make my way to the back. I sit down and look out at the green fields. It's still early in the morning and only a handful of tourists join me on the bus. The doors of the bus close and we set off, bound for one of the world's most famous monuments. Stonehenge. Set in the county of Wiltshire in southern England, the construction of the spectacular structure began around 3000 BC. Circles of stones make up its design, some of which were still standing, whilst others lay on the ground. It was a distinctive monument which was recognised throughout the world. My journey to Stonehenge had begun decades ago, at least in my mind. The seeds of travelling to this place had been sown when I received a special Christmas gift one year. I was eight years old at the time, and I remembered that Christmas day well. 
my gift, was a jigsaw puzzle of Stonehenge. I remember being in awe of the picture on the box. It was the first time I'd seen the monument. It looked like something from another planet. I was mesmerized by it. I found myself unable to speak. Once I'd remembered how to form words again, I had many questions for my parents. Where was this place? How did it get there? How big were those stones? What's it used for? My parents must have answered my questions, but I can only recall one of their replies. They told me the magical place wasn't that far away, and I could visit it one day if I wanted to. I promised myself I would do that. I would go to Stonehenge one day and gaze upon the wondrous monument. And that day has finally arrived. I must admit that it's taken me longer than I first planned. A lot longer. That didn't matter now. I focus myself back into the present and listen to the sound of the vehicle travelling along the road. With every turn of the wheels, I feel the years slipping away from me until I'm once again filled with childhood wonder and the adventure which lay ahead. It doesn't take long for the bus to reach its destination. It pulls smoothly into the parking area and comes to a stop. With a reverent hiss, the door is open and passengers disembark. As I step onto the ground, I slowly turn around and get my first look at Stonehenge. There it is, standing in the middle of a large area of land with a wide panorama of surrounding fields. A prehistoric wonder which could be seen for miles around The monument stands on raised land. The morning mist swirls around the lower part, making it look ethereal, as though it could disappear into the ether at any second. I can't take my eyes away. A feeling of utter amazement has rendered me motionless. I hear a polite cough from behind me. 
forcing my attention away from the monument. I see a young man behind me wearing a light green coat with the Stonehenge image on it. He tells me his name is Sam and he will be my guide that morning. He notices my gaze turning back to the structure. He says everyone is entranced by Stonehenge when they first see it. In fact, he adds, he feels that way every morning when he comes to work. The beauty and sheer size of Stonehenge never ceases to amaze him. He indicates for me to walk with him along the path which will lead us closer to the stones. As we walk along, he gives me details about the monument and what scientists have discovered over the years. There are two types of stones that make up Stonehenge. Large ones called sarsens and smaller ones known as bluestones. The sarsens were locally sourced and came from an area approximately 20 miles away. Whereas the bluestones came from the Priscelli Hills in Wales, which is over 150 miles away. No one is sure why the bluestones were brought from so far away, but surmised they must have held a spiritual significance of some kind. Sam explained how one of the greatest mysteries surrounding Stonehenge was how the stones got to the present site. Construction began in Neolithic times, which was before the invention of the wheel. So a simple cart pulled by an animal wouldn't have been a possibility. Some historians thought the stones were rolled over a series of tree trunks. Others suggested oxen dragged them over the land. There was also a theory they could have been brought by boat via the nearby River Avon. Whichever method was used, it would have been a challenging task and would have taken a long time to complete. Stonehenge wasn't only built by people from the Neolithic age. Settlers from subsequent eras added elements to the structure. Sam's brow furrowed a little. He said that no one knows for sure if the structure was actually completed. There are many missing stones, which suggests it could have been left unfinished. But why that would have happened, no one knows. It all added to the mystery of Stonehenge. 
We carry on walking along the path. Other tourists have arrived and are meandering along around us. Their heads are all turned in one direction, unable to look away from the stone circles. The sun is shining brighter now through the standing stones, and its light flows over the grass, which still sparkles with dewdrops. I notice a group of people standing closer to the monument. They're so still that, for a moment, I think they're stones too. But I soon realise they're still because they are mesmerised by the magnificence of the monument and are unable to do anything else but gaze at it. The long shadows cast by the stones meet the ones created by the silent group, creating an image of humans and nature in unity. Sam tells me more about Stonehenge and how it was built in a series of circles. The middle sarsen stones were arranged vertically, the further stone lying horizontally atop them. The structure is known as a trilithon. The smaller blue stones were arranged around the first circle, and then after those came another row of sarsens. Sam says that although the stones all look grey now and are speckled with moss, when they were first put in place, the sarsens would have been a brilliant white colour and the blue stones a wonderful shade of light blue. I look at the monument and imagine how wonderful it would have looked when first built, and how those original colours would have shone brightly in the morning sun. And in the evening, the sun would have cast an orange glow over the stones, softening their colours. Sam tells me about a levelled walkway, which is near the entrance of the stone circles, it is called the Avenue, and it leads across the fields. It is thought to have been part of a procession route that may have been used during times of celebrations. The Avenue goes down into a valley and over ridges, before arriving at the River Avon. There is evidence of a stone structure at the end of the Avenue which looks like a place people would have gathered. I gaze again at the stones and notice the shadows cast by them have already elongated further across the grass, silently and serenely marking the passing moments of the day. become aware of low voices around me and notice that people are talking quietly amongst themselves 
a feeling of serenity prevails. And there's a sense of timelessness, as if the world has slowed down. I look into the distance and think about how the world has changed since Stonehenge was built. The many kings and queens who had reigned over England. Quiet hamlets evolving into bustling cities. Countless inventions which have made life easier. A series of seemingly impossible plans for the future based on no more than the twinkle of a dream in someone's eyes. Those plans which became reality. And while all that was going on, this monument stood regally here. A vision of beauty for all to enjoy. Stonehenge is a link from the past to the present and a connection to the future. We leave the path behind and walk across the grass. Such was the preservation work on the monument that only a limited number of visitors can get close to the stones on a given day. And unlike years gone past, touching the stones was no longer permitted. As I get nearer to the structure, I begin to sense a change in the atmosphere. It's almost magical. Like a spell of enchantment has been cast over me. Every step I take feels like I'm walking back in time. I stop next to a sarsen stone and see minuscule crystals within it that glisten in the sun. Patches of moss cling to it like a lace blanket. Sam leads me around the outer circle and tells me the greatest mystery of all surrounding Stonehenge. No one knows why it was built. This impressive landmark was constructed thousands of years ago, and no one knows what its purpose was. Of course, there were many theories about it. Based on how its stones were arranged, it marks the passage of the sun and moon throughout the year. Some experts claim Stonehenge was used as a calendar. The central trilithon structure was placed in line with where the sun would rise during midsummer and where it would set during the winter solstice. A huge amount of astrological knowledge had been needed to build the monument, and it indicated how important the passing seasons had been to the early inhabitants of the area. I pictured those early settlers 
sitting on the ground on a midsummer's morning, waiting for the first glimpse of the sun that day. And how, during the winter solstice, they would smile as the winter sun rose and have the confirmation that spring would soon return. The summer solstice was still celebrated at Stonehenge and attracted many visitors who shared the same awe-inspiring view of the rising sun, just as their ancestors had done. Another link from the past to the present. Sam guides me over to a particular stone which is called Stone 52. He points out a word etched into its surface and says that while there is evidence of graffiti new and old amongst the stones, this one is different. I read the word, Ren. I ask Sam what it refers to. With a smile, he says it's believed to have been made by the architect who designed St. Paul's Cathedral in London, Sir Christopher Wren. His family had a home nearby, and they often visited Stonehenge. I shake my head in amusement. Sam leaves me to wander around on my own for a while. I head to the inner stones, and I'm amazed how they tower above me. The lintels are wide enough to provide shelter during a rain shower. And I think about how many people may have done that very thing during an unexpected fall of rain. I stand in the shadow of a large sarsen and reflect on how pleasant it would be to rest in the coolness here during a warm summer's day. My thoughts go back to the early settlers and the celebrations they had throughout the year. I can almost hear laughter from the past mixed with music and joyful songs. I walk slowly around the entire monument a few times, trying to take in the beauty of it all. I become calmer with each step I take, thoughts clear from my mind, and all I focus on is the grandeur of the stones how amazing they are. I'm lost in admiration for the people who created this ancient structure. Once I'm satisfied I've seen everything, I walk away from the stone circles and towards the path which I'd walked on earlier with Sam. I followed the directions to a designated picnic area and sit at one of the tables. I take out my packed lunch and place it on the wooden surface. 
A meal is only a simple one. Cucumber sandwich and a fat rascal. But the spectacular view in front of me makes it taste absolutely delicious. I linger over my lunch and listen to the conversations going on around me. Words like phenomenal, extraordinary, and stunning are used often. I sit in the sun for a while longer before deciding it's time for me to leave. The shuttle bus takes me to the visitor center and I can't resist going inside to investigate what's in there. come across the display of items uncovered during excavations over the years. I'm filled with astonishment as I studied the pottery, hand tools, and eye-catching pieces of jewellery. There's another display farther along. It's one that brings a ready smile to my face. Photographs from the last 150 years been collected for all to see. They show how visitors have changed over the years. There's a black and white image from 1875 of a horse-drawn carriage standing right in the middle of the stones. Inside the carriage are seated two women tired in long dresses and ribbon-trimmed hats. The image has faded over the years, making it look even more captivating. A photograph from 1927 depicts two women sitting on one of the fallen rocks. The drop-waisted dresses and hats are typical of the fashions from that time. From 1950, there's a photo of two smiling children, dressed in their school uniforms, looking as if there is nowhere else in the world they would rather be. A peculiar photograph from 1963 shows a group of musicians dressed in suits and standing casually next to the stones. Some of them are holding guitars, the image looks like it could be a publicity shot or one used for an album cover. I become bemused as I read the information about the group who appear to be entirely unknown. A mystery which perfectly befits the enigma of Stonehenge. The last image is a selfie taken by a young woman who has caught herself in mid-jump. Her smile is wide, and there's a joy in her sparkling eyes. I arrive at the gift shop and go inside. I take my time wandering around. Each shelf holds a tantalizing array of objects, T-shirts, 
jewelry, art prints in glorious colors, make your own Stonehenge puzzles. My attention is drawn to a box on a lower shelf. I find myself smiling again. It's been a day of smiles. I see a jigsaw puzzle. Seeing it takes me back to that Christmas morning of my youth. Without any hesitation, I'd buy the jigsaw. I look towards the window, over to the distance where Stonehenge is standing. Maybe one day someone will discover how the stones were brought to the area and why it was built. I hope that day wouldn't come too soon. Stonehenge was a place of mystery. And sometimes it was good to have mysteries. It made the world a more magical place. Maybe Stonehenge was magical in itself. Coming to see it in person, I had begun to understand that the stones were a mystic sight to behold. They awaken some natural curiosity within their visitors by inviting them to dream about the uncovered past. It's easy to see why so many people could get carried away in their theories, to come to believe the sight to be mystical. As if they had read my thoughts, I hear some tourists in the shop talking excitedly in hushed tones about potential mythical origins of the stones. A child amongst them exclaimed to their parents that the stones could have appeared by magic. I asked the lady behind the till whether many believers in magic made their way to Stonehenge the woman told me that, yes, there was always a trickle of tourists hoping to investigate the myths surrounding potential magical origins of the site. But no other day could rival the crowds that Stonehenge drew during the summer solstice. She said many wanted to watch the sunrise over the central rock, as I had heard, for historical reasons but others thought it was a magical place to be on Midsummer's Eve, as it was a magical night. And many believed that something special could happen amongst the stones. I raised my eyebrows good-naturedly. I wasn't surprised that the mystery enshrouded rocks would attract more mystic types than myself. The kind woman told me that for centuries, people have believed that on Midsummer's Eve, the veil between this world and the next is at its thinnest, and fairies and mystical beings are at their most powerful and can move between worlds. 
and he chose to celebrate such a remarkable evening here at Stonehenge, hoping to catch a glimpse of something magical. Maybe a clue as to who or how the stones had truly come to be there. As she explained this, the lady had a twinkle in her eye, and I chuckled at her knowing expression. I bade the lady goodbye and thank you, and returned to the bus. Many fellow passengers climbed aboard, mostly quiet and content, some children still chattering in awe. As we waited for everybody to make their way to the bus and to take their seats, I relaxed into the plush seat and let my mind drift off into fantastical daydreams about the more far-fetched theories of the origins of Stonehenge. I smiled to myself, thinking of fairies and sleepy solstices under the stars. After indulging those dreams for a while, my thoughts drift back towards those more widely researched histories of Stonehenge. Gigantic rocks gliding over the ground on gently spinning logs, pushed by determined workers from times gone by. A colossal calendar casting shadows in the sun, huge stones mapping the drifting moon and the wide arc of the sun. Brilliant white and pale blue sarsens gleaming on a snowy day. Bustling ceremonies and quiet meetings within their circle. Grayed, aged stone speckled with moss, showing its age and permanency through time. So many stories, some confirmed, some imagined, all kept alive by the wonder of this sight. I think of all the other mysterious places on earth and how I'd like to visit them. I could feel that I would now be drawn to their mysterious physical manifestation of history. Historical sights struck me with awe at the best of times, visiting stately homes, Hampton Court Palace and Edinburgh Castle. I relished in their carefully preserved archives and chartered histories, timelines, family trees, framed letters and certificates. I walked through the crumbling yet majestic ruins of Fountains Abbey and learnt concretely what occurred within its walls from a well-researched guidebook. But there was something incomparable about visiting a site of the ancient world, a place still enshrouded in mystery. A place where you feel the history in the air, but can never quite know it. I thought of the other places I now felt inspired to visit, the Pyramids of Giza, 
a place where impossibly huge structures were built from tons of stone in an age where trucks and cranes could not aid them. A history partially uncovered, but still inspiring theories and concealing secrets. The magnificent Easter Island, where 80-ton stone heads were carved and positioned thoughtfully on a remote and treeless isle. Treeless, meaning that, unlike Stonehenge, the theory of transportation by rolling logs couldn't attempt to explain the manoeuvre of such hefty stones. What mighty feat and ingenious engineering had occurred there, I wondered. The Nazca Lines of Peru. I could only daydream about who carved huge patterns and drawings into the desert, and for what reason, in times before aerial flight. I wondered which other mysteries lay out there in the world, waiting to be discovered and decoded. Sites overgrown by jungle or remote in the mountains, far away in an unexplored canyon or buried deep in the ground. I hoped that some of these mysteries, like the true origins of Stonehenge, remained shrouded in mystery. That way, we can go on imagining. Soon, the bus slowly hissed to life and started to maneuver back towards the road. I began to drift off to sleep, lulled by the gentle rocking and low rumble of the bus along long, stretching roads, leading me away from the intriguingly secretive world of Stonehenge and back towards home.